Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast. Buckle up and ride shotgun as we cover everything you need to know about the uplands. The habitat. The hunting. And of course, your favorite bird dogs. In today's episode, we're going back to the world of wildlife artwork for a conversation with Joel Pilcher. Like so many folks in the art world, Joel always had a dream that seemed just a little bit too far away to grasp. Until one day, he took a leap of faith. Courage that we all wish we had. He grabbed a piece of charcoal and chased his dream to become an artist. We're going to talk with Joel today about what was the impetus for that leap of faith. We're going to talk with Logan Hinners, our very own internal Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever artist in his own right, the graphic designer behind the Pheasants Forever Journal, or at least one of the graphic designers behind the, the Pheasants Forever Journal, Quail Forever Journal, and all the graphics you see on our website and across the organization at Pheasant Fest and and Quail Classic. And Logan first found Joel uh, for our organization, and that led to the creation of a cover of the Pheasants Forever Journal and the Quail Forever Journal that announced our Call of the Uplands campaign. So we're going to talk a bit about that artwork as well. Um, this month, in particular, that artwork is available through Orvis on some stunning t-shirts and we'll dive into that. So without further ado, Logan, Joel, thanks for joining me on this episode of On the Wing Podcast. Appreciate you making time. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to do this with you guys. Yeah, well, we're excited to talk with you, Joel, in particular. You got just a bugling elk behind you <laughs> and it's, it's artwork, but Damn, that looks cool as hell. And we're going to get to you because I really want to I want to find out. I'm always fascinated with artists like what inspires. Um, So we'll dive into that. But Logan, we'll start with you. You've been on a few podcasts now. We talked about you on the last podcast I recorded with uh, Eric Peterson and Douglas (laughs) Fala. Oh, nice. About ripples and about how we the conversation we had with Eric kind of was the pebble creating the ripple that led to the film ripples through your search for photography for the pheasants forever journal quail forever journal so we've talked about you on other podcasts (laughs) but you haven't been on in a a little while so welcome back for for folks that maybe haven't listened to some of those previous episodes give us a little bit about your background yeah so um i've been with the organization for just about 10 years now um Prior to that, I, uh, I did a digital art two-year degree in Rochester, Minnesota, Southeast Minnesota. Um, from there, I wasn't quite sure uh, where I wanted to go, direction, kind of where I wanted to land. I, I knew I really enjoyed the, the design aspect, but I still had a huge passion for the outdoor space, hunting, fishing, um, you know, all that stuff, conservation. Um, so that, that actually led me out to Colorado for a uh, four-year stint as a professional hunting guide, big game hunting guide. Um, I guess that's, you know, I'll, t- I'll talk about how I kind of found Joel too, but mm-hmm. um, the elk thing is kind of the connection there. Um, <laughs> so I, I spent quite a bit of time doing that. Um, and then I kind of came to a crossroads out there and realized, you know, this is, uh, it, it was great. I'm glad I did it when I did it. Um, but I also realized, you know, there wasn't benefits. Um I ever wanted to have a family it was it was just a tough way of life so mm-hmm. um, I ended up at that point looking back into schools and then transferred my two-year degree to UMD um, University of Minnesota Duluth um, finished up my four-year degree in graphic design there and then shortly after that uh, saw the job posting with Pheasants Forever actually at that point it was a internship um, so I came down interviewed with you and I guess I say the rest is history so here I am. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, a, you, it's a perfect mesh of, you know, everything I love and am passionate about, you know, art, design, conservation, outdoor space. So you had one of the most memorable interviews 
that I can recall in my my career because you like you said you you came in to interview for an internship and literally like the day before Rosalie who tremendous graphic designer your predecessor said my husband just got a job in Brainerd we're moving north (laughs) so your interview for an internship went in uh, immediately transitioned to a full-time gig yeah, when I and got that pr- call, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. This can work out yeah, better. Yeah, and it couldn't have worked out better for either side. You've been the perfect fit for the organization um, at every turn. Well, your, your graphic design talent and your eye for artists has led us to conversations like this with Eric Peterson and, and today, Joel Pilcher. Yeah. Uh, Joel, welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was... I was fun to hear uh, Logan's background. It's we, I've worked with him on a handful of projects now, and I guess with the you know modern day uh, online relationships, you don't always get mm. to hear you know dive into the background of the people you work with. So that's cool to hear that. It, it, so tell us. Uh, speaking of backgrounds, let's talk about yours. Where did you grow up, and lead us up to the point um, where you took the leap for becoming an artist? Because that's what I want to spend sort of the, the meat of the podcast about, but let's hear your backstory first, Joel. Well, there's been, I mean, I, I grew up in the Rocky Mountains in Utah, hmm. um, spent a lot of time in the outdoors. My dad was, um, a lot of people kind of consider him a modern day mountain man. He, he loves the outdoors. It's his place of sanctuary and spiritual revival, you could say. He's always, when he, when he gets stressed out, he always says, I need to go to the mountains. And uh, as a kid, and even to this day, I often follow him there to the mountains. So I was raised there. Love, I've always had a love for wildlife. And from the time I was a little kid, I wanted to be a wildlife artist. Hmm. Um, I had a, a lot of support with that dream from my parents, but I experienced a lot of discouragement from, from other people and other, hmm. other sources. Um, just always... The comment I often heard when people found out that I had a talent for art, they'd say, well, that's cool, but uh, too bad you can't make any money with it. You know, mm-hmm. too, too bad you can't make a living at it. So um, I, I held on to that dream, but I did explore a lot of other avenues uh, as a profession, as a, as a means of supporting a family. But uh, even early on, I, I worked for my dad for a, quite a while. He was a general contractor, so I worked in mm-hmm. construction and learned a lot of a lot of good life lessons there, a lot of uh, skills. And believe it or not, I, I, I learned a lot of creativity on the hmm. job. Uh, being a general contractor, my dad, you know, he managed the entire project. And at times he couldn't find subcontractors or he wanted to do these in certain projects on his own. So he'd, he had a, always had a, a small crew that, that I worked with. And so... Being that he was a general, I got to experience a lot of different aspects, a lot of different phases of the jobs, and a lot of times we'd run into problems, and uh, he'd encourage us to find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of where my creativity was cultivated, and I was able to bring that into my artwork later. But I, I still remember I was, uh, I think I was 20, probably 21 or 22 years old, still working for him, and we were doing a remodel on a, on a basement. Just a small job, but uh, I was sweeping the basement floor, and I, I just had this thought. I'm like, it's time. I've got to. <laughs> I've got to chase that dream. I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't. As good as construction has been, and as good as the lessons have been that I've learned here, I mm-hmm. I need to chase my dream. Hmm. So I went home that weekend, and this was. I'm. I'm this will date me a little bit, but that's. I went home and uh, looked in the newspaper in the classified mm-hmm. section, because that's where you used to have to... <laughs> it's okay to admit that. <laughs> that's, where you have, that's where you used to have to go to find a job, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, that first time first time I took a look, I found a listing for an artist slash illustrator for, with a company called Del Sol, which is huh. it's an apparel company. They And maybe listeners have heard of them. They, uh, they do a lot in resort areas. They do um, color-changing T-shirts. The shirts were mm. it's kind of black and white when you're inside and when you walk out in the sun it has a uv reactive ink and just colors up and it's kind of cool but uh, yeah when i was a kid i think it was called 
uh, permachill. Have you ever heard of that? I like when you know. touched when you touched the fabric, it yeah. would change colors. Yeah, I, yeah, there's a lot of different variations of it, but uh, but yeah, Del Sol. That was that was my first job as a full time artist. About I was probably mm. yeah, I was around 22 years old, I think, when I started mm. there, and got lucky because I didn't have much of a portfolio. But I remember interviewing with the uh, art director there at Del Sol. His name was Kent Barney, and uh, he he took a chance on me. I think he saw the potential in the very few pieces that I had in my portfolio. And I was ambitious. I remember I did a couple designs before I even knew if they were gonna pay me. And I just mm. jumped in, I said, oh, I wanted to prove myself. So I put together a couple designs in a very short amount of time. And I think that impressed him and gave him more confidence in hiring me full time. And I was there for a few years. Um, it was tough, they didn't pay a lot. So mm. it wasn't long before I was looking for more opportunity because while I was there, we, I, we had our first kid. And as, mm. you know, as I was, as we added more mouths to feed, I had to look for more opportunity <laughs> to feed them. Mm-hmm. So from there, I actually went to, I tried a different, a couple different other things, a project management position at an IT company. Um, you know, kind of basing off of my project management experience with my dad's company in construction. Mm-hmm. That didn't last long, and I just felt, I, I knew I wanted to be an artist. I knew that that's where my dream was, that's where my passion was, and I knew I just needed to find a way to make it work. Hmm. So I, uh, after a short time with the IT company, I went back to artwork and just went freelance. Just started hmm. picking up contract work. I remember uh, I went, uh, I, I actually made up, made up these... Uh, plaster plaques. I took some, a chunk of sheetrock, busted up the edges, painted up real nice so it looked almost like a, a slice of a piece of a log or even a, a piece of rock. And then I, from my screen printing experience at Del Sol, because they did apparel, mm-hmm. and I had learned the process of screen printing, I took that um, process and applied it to these plaques, drew up some wildlife art and was able to print the wildlife art onto these plaques and then I took them into Sportsman's Warehouse and I was able to get them in there for a little bit and that mm. that helped us a lot that you know helped make ends meet for for about six months or so and then uh, I remember going just walked into uh, I think it was either Hunt Expo or the Sportsman's Expo here in Salt Lake City and I just started <laughs> You're not supposed to do it. It's called suitcasing. You're not supposed to do that. But I was, I was desperate. <laughs> so I went around just to all these different booths and talked to the different people and, and asked for if they were looking for any graphic design work, if anybody needed any help. And I ended up picking up a handful of clients there. And it just kind of went, went from there. And, you know, word got around. The work I was doing was high quality and just kept picking up more and more clients. And um, So, yeah, that... That's where my digital career started, mm-hmm. in graphic design. And I rode that for about, uh, I think it was about eight years or so. But I got to the point where I, I felt like I hit a cap. I, mm-hmm. was, I could only do so much, there was only so much time in the day to do so much work. And I was kind of maxed out on what I, could, what I could earn, the work that I could do. And I was looking for more. I wanted to, I just wanted to, I wanted to, do as much as I could and progress as far as I could as an artist and in my career. And so at that point, I had an opportunity to go work at Easton Archery, hmm. which it was a contract um, position, but in-house. So I went and went down. They were doing a whole bunch of catalog projects and it was kind of an emergency deal. They had a whole bunch of work that they needed to get done real quick. So I went in there and uh, on a contract basis, but while I was there, I ended up meeting... Uh, Jordan Harbertson and Casey Harbertson, they were doing the same deal with, with Easton. We were all, all three of us were helping them with their, in their graphic design department to build out these catalogs. And we ended up uh, building a relationship together. And when that, pro- that catalog project was done with Easton, we decided, I'd, rather than go back home and just do freelance on my own, I decided to partner with the two of them and we created a design firm called Zulu Six. Hmm. And had a lot of fun with that. It was a, a challenge, you know, working with a whole bunch of different clients. 
But through that, we ended up meeting another guy named Trevor Farns, who had a supplement company. <clears throat> and being that all of our all of our clients with Zulu Six were in the hunting industry, and we met Trevor, and Trevor had this supplement company that he was marketing just to the fitness in this general fitness industry. We thought it would be a cool idea to partner with Trevor and take his products and rebrand them for the hunting industry. Okay. And so we did that, and we created created a company called Mountain Ops. And so uh, that was kind of the beginning of that. And uh, I knew there was a Mountain Ops. So do you own part of Mountain Ops, or were you just kind of part of the brains behind the, I, the marketing for it? I was one of the original founders, and I did own part of it, but I, I don't anymore. Okay. Um, I uh, rode that wave for a few years and had... <laughs> Had a heck of a time, and it was it was a blast as a whirlwind, and uh, uh -huh. we grew fast, and it was exciting to because that was another one of my dreams, along with being a wildlife artist, was to create a lifestyle brand. I was a big um, extreme sports fan. I love the X Games and all that, mm -hmm. so I always I always thought it'd be cool to rather than be an athlete in the X Games, I always wanted to be a I wanted to create a brand that the athletes would wear on their T-shirt in the X Games. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to have that um, experience kind of through mountain ops rather than in the extreme sports industry, but in the hunting industry. It was fun to see. And I still see my logo, the, you know, because I designed the logo, the mountain ops logo. And um, it's awesome to see that <laughs> logo all over the place. I still For see sure. it even out here in Tula Valley where I live. I see it. I go to my kids' flag football game. I see guys walking around with the mountain ops logo. Just, it's fun to see. It's a major, yeah, major brand. And... I mean, that's probably where Joel became visible to me first was through that mountain ops brand um, during my time out west. Hmm. Kind of where I started to connect things and then saw his artwork and uh, followed him after that on social media. And Yeah, so mountain ops was a great experience. I uh, learned a lot. It had its challenges. And ultimately, there were some some difficulties with the partnership and it ended up being just the best for the company for me to depart. And at that point, that's, that's where my wildlife art, fine art, the painting and, uh, charcoal work. That's where I, that's where we take the leap, took the leap. Yes. Because I found myself in a, uh, precarious financial position after leaving mountain ops. And have, with all the social media marketing that I learned mm -hmm. and developed through that experience with Mountain Ops, I was like, hey, I, I can apply this to my artwork, the marketing side of it, and I really think I can do a lot with it. And so after leaving Mountain Ops, I, I still remember my first, first piece that I did. It was a white charcoal on a black artboard, and it was a, a bugling bull elk. Hmm. And I told my wife, I said, I think, I think I can do this. I think I can create this piece, and I think it'll sell through my social media. And she's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> your, Another... your face tells me there wasn't a lot of confidence from your wife there. Well, it wasn't the first crazy idea I'd had. She's, <clears throat> she's, i, I got to give her a ton of credit. She's been extremely hmm. supportive, but I have had some... I have a, a strong entrepreneurial spirit, and mm -hmm. and my spirit sometimes is sometimes is stronger than my ideas. Mm. And so I've I've gone down a lot of different roads, had a lot of crazy ideas, and majority of them haven't worked out. But <laughs> my artwork has has been a constant. I've always huh. been able to bank on it, and so she's. I know she's never quite sure, and neither am I, if something's going to mm -hmm. work. But I felt mm -hmm. really good about this. I created that piece of white charcoal and black artboard that elk and I put it up on my Instagram and I, I think I had about maybe a thousand followers at the time and it sold in just a few hours. Wow. So I was, I felt like, yeah, this is, there's something here. I'm Reaffirming. So you took that leap out of, it sounds like out of financial necessity. Is that like you kind of said, I'm going to be quote unquote, a fine, a fine artist to make ends meet after leaving Mountain Ops. Is that an accurate way of assessment? Yeah, I mean, I still have my graphic design and I, I did graphic design as well for, you know, I can't remember how long, for a few years after I left Mountain Ops, just kind of, I had a combination going of the fine art with the charcoal and painting and I had still had some graphic design clients. Once I left Mountain Ops, I was able to go back to a lot of my previous clients and they were happy to hear I was 
available again. So, mm. so I got I got to thank a lot of them too. I did a lot of work with with Easton and with Muley Freak and with Hunt Hard and Solo Hunter mm. and a lot of different hunting companies, and they they were always great to me and were always able to provide work for me when I was looking, you know, for ways to support my family. But yeah, it was, I mean, again, from the time I was a little kid, my, my ultimate dream was to be a wildlife artist. Mm -hmm. So it was a combination of, what is it, necessity is the mother of invention or yep. innovation yep. or something like that. It was kind of, you know, it was necessary. But mm -hmm. if, I, if I had to go back to doing artwork on my own, I decided at this time, it's the painting and drawing that I want to do. And, okay. and yeah, I was just went from there. Eventually after, I think it was after a couple of years, that was about 2017, I think. And after a year or so, a year or two maybe, I was able to go just 100% painting and charcoal, wow. which is what I enjoy the most. I still like to do digital art. In fact, I do it every once in a while. I'll pick up a client here and there and, and do some digital illustration, stuff like that, because it's fun. But, yeah. but this, you know, this that you see here behind me, that's my, that's my favorite. That's my passion. So I, I, I want to give a shout out to Onyx, a sponsor of our podcast. When I come back from that commercial, I want to tee you get both up for a question. That, you know, we, we talk about digital art, graphic design, and then fine art, right? And I'm doing air quotes, fine art. And I'm curious, like, general public sort of differentiates the two, right? And I'm curious to hear from your perspective. It, you know, it, we'll start with Logan, come to Joel, because he worked in both. Like, what's the difference? Why? Because I, I get the sense that the general public looks at um, fine art at a, like, kind of a higher level of creativity. And is that really true? Um, so I want to get your impressions around digital art versus fine art or, or maybe the comparison there. Um, so before we go there, um, shout out to Onyx, national sponsor of the organization and sponsor of On the Wing podcast. If you want to find more birds this hunting season, look no further than the Onyx Hunt app. Private and public land boundaries just begin to scratch the surface is Onyx has countless tools to make you a safer and more successful hunter. Onyx Hunt is trusted by millions of hunters across the U.S. and you can be one of them by downloading the app for a risk-free seven-day trial. After that, use the code pheasants or quail during the checkout process for 20% off your onyxhunt.com membership. And you'll also be happy to know that a portion of every sale using that pheasants or quail code will generate a donation from Onyx back to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's wildlife habitat mission, leading to better habitat, more wild birds, and creating more public lands for all of us to go chase bugling elk or flushing roosters or coveys of quail. So thanks to Onyx. So... As I went into that commercial, I asked a really long-winded question about <laughs> the distinction between graphic design and quote-unquote fine art, but they're both forms of artwork. What's your impression there, Logan? Is there, what's the distinction in your mind between the two? Yeah, um, definitely both forms of art. Um, yeah, I think the biggest distinction for me is... Um, probably the digital aspect, um, you know, with mm. digital art illustration and or graphic design, you're using a lot of technology, um, you know, to create, create those pieces, layouts, what, what have you. Um, fine art, I think is more, uh, just, you know, it's a skill set illustration painting, um, probably don't have the, the digital aspect to deal with. Um, that's probably how I would distinguish them. Mm -hmm. I think they're both, wide open to creativity um mm. you, you know you can be equally creative either avenue you go um you know i think that's the biggest distinguishing factor um you know for me someone that that comes with a digital art or graphic design background i'm grateful for artists like joel who who can do the illustration side because i can't and joel could attest to that with some of the chicken scratch um <laughs> concepts i've sent him um, as we've worked on a couple of these projects, but, 
you know, I know my limitations as a digital artist designer, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I don't have that illustration background. Mm-hmm. So, but somebody that does quote unquote fine art that has that background in digital probably makes them way more usable for a person like you. You know, when you're putting publications or social media, like it just when they have an understanding of what you're looking for, that collaboration is much easier, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's where it's been great working with Joel on some of these projects. He, you know, clearly has a deep understanding of, of both sides of that. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I can flesh out a rough concept and, um, just his ability to, to kind of see the end product and, um, deliver it at a high level is, has been super fun to work with and collaborate with him on. Yeah. That's real well said, but anything you'd add to that, yeah, it's actually a really interesting question. Um, it, it's something I've I've considered the differences before in the past, and and it's working in both kind of both fields. It's really interesting how my process is different. And I think I think on the level, you know, on the surface, that's the biggest differentiation between it is the just the process where fine art is you know traditional. You're doing it by hand. You're using physical tools. You're you know painting or drawing on a, on a canvas or, you know, a surface like that mm-hmm. and, and creating a, a physical object. And then digital, of course, you're, you're on a computer and you're creating a, a virtual object that, that can be, then be produced into something physical. But uh, when I, a really interesting thing that I've found is when I'm working and I get into a digital project or a fine art, you know, painting or, or charcoal drawing, my mindset, it, it, I'm, in, I'm in a totally different space. Huh. With the, the fine art, I can, I can turn on a podcast or listen to an audio book and continue to work throughout my process and get the details in it and, you know, work out the composition and the contrast, the values and everything without and still listen to that and be completely 100% attentive to whatever audio I'm listening too. But with digital, when I get working on a digital project, I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's more problem solving or what. I can't listen to audio. I can't listen to an audio book or a podcast or anything. I have to be 100% focused on the digital project. And it, it's something that I don't you know why. Maybe, left, maybe it's left brain, right brain yeah. stuff going. That's, that is yeah. wild. Yeah. Maybe it's just huh. me. Maybe that's unique to, to me as an individual, but that's something I found. I, I just get into, and maybe that's why I like the painting and charcoal more where I like both, mm-hmm. but I gravitate towards the painting and charcoal because I get into this, just this relaxed, almost meditative zone huh. when I'm doing it. And it, it's, I mean, it's art has been proven to be therapeutic yeah. and, and I feel that more so when I'm working traditionally with the fine art than with the, the digital side of things. There, there's a few different um, phases of digital work, like especially where as technology has a, well, in the past, I, I used to actually do a lot of hand drawing that I would then transfer to a computer and utilize that in my digital work. Now they have the you know, advancement in technology with uh, the tablets, the iPads, and the Cintiqs and stuff like that that mm-hmm. allow you to do it completely digitally. But sometimes when I'm illustrating in those, I can, I can find that same zone as I do with mm. the fine art. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely for me anyway, it's a, it's a very different uh, mindset, very different process that I get into as I'm doing those. Hmm. And you, when you're flipping through Instagram or when I'm flipping through Instagram, I don't need to see whose name when a piece of art comes up in it and like, Oh, that's a Joel Pilcher. Like you have an extraordinarily unique look that like, I, I probably don't look at as much art and graphic design as Logan does, but um, I, you know, instantly you kind of stand out from everybody else. You have a, have a look. That's my assumption is that's partly by design, right? You, as an artist, you want to have a unique look, but it's also, you know, something spoke to you about the tools in the art process. So maybe answer that question. Like why, you know, why'd you pick up a piece of charcoal instead of a paintbrush to start? And, and did the, did you always have such a unique look or did that just, um, was that, um, 
kind of purposeful. So yeah, it's it's kind of a hybrid. It's some of it's pur purposeful, but I think a lot of it just comes comes natural comes about naturally too, un mm. unintended. Um, I've always loved working in black and white. I used to work in exclusively pencil, but uh, then I, I I'm, I'm glad I started using charcoal because it's so much more fun, so much more uh, workable and forgiving. And then mm. uh, I've I mean I mean what you're saying about me having a unique style that's very true of a lot of artists out there and there's a lot of artists that I've looked to um, as I have developed my style and developed my career that um, have influenced my work as well I you know of course I make sure that I'm not copying exactly what they're doing but I see well I gotta say one of the biggest influence influences that I've had in my work is a, there's a guy named Cole Johnson that just does this incredible charcoal work and mm. if, if you haven't seen him go check out his stuff is Cole just a wildlife artist? Or... Yeah. 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 Okay. Huh. Yeah. And I've always, I mean, I, I, I found his stuff years and years ago before I even had ever touched charcoal and I saw it and I was mm. just like, that's incredible. That's incredible work. Huh. And it's something that uh, just some of the, his techniques and the, the atmosphere that he creates in his work is inspired me. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of other artists out there too just incredible they do incredible work um but one thing that i think has kind of naturally come about and influenced my style is the the process that i've worked to develop doing charcoal on canvas and that, that's unique I, I haven't seen i don't know of a lot of artists that do that my reason for doing that is i, I wanted to create a more durable and higher quality final product for charcoal i just didn't like I mean, I like working on paper, but I didn't like how fragile the final product was. And I, you know, at, with some of the paintings that I did, I was just like, man, it's just so much, it just feels so much higher end and higher quality being on canvas. So I worked hard to, to develop a process where I could um, work on canvas with charcoal, create, get the detail that I wanted, um, utilize the texture that was there and make it a benefit to the piece. And then in the end, I wanted to be able to varnish and clear coat it to make it durable, make it so it couldn't be smeared, smudged, or damaged. And it, it took me a while to get there, but I've, I've, I've reached that point. And it, it's tough to explain because, you know, everything I do is all the marketing I do is online. I'm not in any galleries or anything. So unless you can see the final product of a charcoal on canvas piece, it's hard to understand how awesome it is, but it just mm -hmm. it just looks so cool, and it's so awesome to know that you know you, little kids could come up and rub their hands all over this, and it wouldn't hurt it a bit. <laughs> you know, where traditionally with charcoal, you have to frame it behind glass to protect it. But my huh. my originals are are very durable, and you know I suggest not using glass because then you don't have the distraction of the glare, the glare mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. but but yeah, the the textures that have come through that through developing that developing that process have really affected the the style that i that i do and i'm, I'm happy with it i'm mm -hmm. that that natural um kind of development that took place has been a lot of fun how did your happen. uh your acrylic wash um i guess that's what has jumped out to me in a lot of your work is is being super unique and having a a really high impact um look and in fact that's that's what you um, utilized to do these call of the uplands pheasant and quail journal covers which now are part of this orvis t-shirt collab and it gives it that really cool kind of monotone uh, bronze look um, how'd you learn that process or technique is that something you self-taught or learned somewhere else or just tell us more about that yeah it's style. it's something i developed on my own I'm, I, I mean i've seen other artists do similar things whether where they'll start with an acrylic wash but a lot of times they mostly cover it up. And I don't know that I've seen many use charcoal and acrylic together. Hmm. Um, but, I, but I've seen other artists um, use processes that have a similar look, but they're more with all oil or all acrylic. And I just thought, I love charcoal so much, but I'd love to bring a little bit of a, a color, you know, tonal look to it. And so I just started experimenting with it and playing around. And, to be honest, I'm still, still developing it. Um, early on, I would use uh, 
black, I'd put on down an acrylic wash and then do black charcoal and then I'd come back in with a white charcoal pencil for highlights. And it, it worked and it looked good, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. So then I went to doing a white acrylic paint for the highlights. That looked good too, but it was still wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. <laughs> so I started going back over the white with uh, an acrylic wash and, you know, toning down the whites a little bit and then doing multiple layers of them to give the subject even more depth. And I mean, it's just, and I love the way it looks too, but I don't know that it's, I, th I think there's still more I can do. And that's just part of my personality. I love trying new things. I love pushing the limits. I love, you know, experimenting and exploring and it's just, it's something I'll always do. I don't think I'll ever quit. I've got some mm. other, other ideas, other processes that I want to try. And eventually I'll, I'll get around to those as well. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Logan mentioned the, the pheasant and the quail that were used on the cover of our spring of 2021 our, um, journals, the Pheasants Forever Journal, and are now the featured pieces of art at, at, on Orvis's t-shirts. Um, so you can go to orvis.com slash pheasant or orvis.com slash quail. And um, the t-shirts are $29 each and every um, dollar raised through those shirts is coming back from Orvis to our organization for our habitat mission through the, the call of the Uplands campaign. But tell us about, you know, as you flip through your Instagram account, um, Joel, you're, you know, lots of Western big game, kind of your signature elk, you know, that very first animal you, you painted was an elk. Um, tell us about, you know, tackling, let's start with the pheasant when the rooster, um, you probably, Logan probably pep, prepped you a little bit to know what that, that um, bird was going to be used for. What were you trying to con convey with the pheasant? And then tell us a little bit about the quail. Well, um, to be honest, I, what what came into play here was some of the, I don't know if you, I guess you call it customer service skills that I, I learned <laughs> through, through marketing and through my graphic design. I, it's really important, I think, to in being a professional artist to be able to design for an audience. Sure. Be able to understand what the audience is looking for and take your style and blend it to make it meet their expectations. And so this was kind of a combination working with, with Logan. It was, uh, you know, it was a more of a client-based job. You know, it was a, a custom commission where Logan gave me a, a really clear idea of what, what he wanted and what I think what he felt the audience would, would appeal to the audience. Mm. And so I was able to just take his, his direction and mesh it with my style. And, you know, the result was those, those call the upland pieces and, um, it was it was a lot of fun. This, these were actually early on in the development process of my uh, acrylic wash and charcoal pieces. So these are one of the first few that I did using that technique. And so it was, it was a little bit nerve wracking for me, you know, working with pheasants forever to create something, but do it in a new way, something that mm -hmm. I was still developing. But I think they turned out good and I, I had a lot of fun with it. But I, I also like that uh, Logan's vision for for the pieces were a little bit unique and it's not the traditional um, traditional look that you see in a pheasant in pheasant artwork or quill artwork mm -hmm. where they're you know the flushed look whether it's the pheasant flying taking off flying it was the having it do you know making the call like that I think was unique and, and cool I was excited to do it do something a little different well and I know it matched Logan's expectations because he's got it hanging above him on yeah. the <laughs> screen here so tell us about your vision Logan because this it this is sort of the perfect marriage between that digital and fine art collaboration between you two isn't it yeah yeah no and it was a it was a super fun collaboration and you know that's that's probably the part of my job that I I enjoy the most is is being able to be creative and and not be handcuffed really at all and um, be able to collaborate with with folks like Joel to to come up and with with a vision and and a solution for it. Um, you know, for this particular um, journal cover, we we had just launched our five hundred million dollar Call of the Uplands campaign. Um, you know, and that that's widely communicated throughout our journals. So I knew, I guess, in my mind that like we needed something that was going to be different um, that we've ever done. Is going to grab people's attention, um, 
and I, I guess my mind went immediately to to Joel's artwork. You know, I mm-hmm. for a long time had always thought that I'd I'd own one of his prints, Bugling Elk. Uh, in the end, I ended up with a a crowing rooster, uh, which is hanging behind me. But you know, it uh, it was a lot of fun. It turned out fantastic. We had a ton of great feedback, and I still to this day, I think it's one of my favorite mag covers of all time. I mean out of any of the publications I get. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that collaboration. And, uh, yeah, I think Joel did a tremendous job kind of taking my, my rough vision and bringing it to life. And, you know, so you mentioned it was first used as the journal covers to announce Call the Uplands campaign, our 9 million acre initiative to turn the tide for upland habitat. Joel also allowed us to use the originals to fundraise. Uh, we used one at Pheasant Fest, and we used one in an online auction, and that helped us generate dollars for Habitat. And then, we're, again, we're using the artwork because it's just so badass and perfect um, through this collaboration with Orvis, and it's raising further dollars for Habitat. Joel, as a guy that's grown up in the outdoors, in in you know, the hunting community and you hear about how your artwork is leading to dollars, which is turning into habitat and access. How's that make you feel as a, as a lifelong outdoors person? Well, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, it's very satisfying to me. I mean, I've, I, I feel like I've been blessed to, you know, I'm, I'm living my dream, my childhood dream. And mm. I owe that to, I owe a lot of that to the hunting industry, to the people out there that, uh, that support me through my artwork. And, and I owe a lot of it, honestly, to the, the, the wildlife, you know, mm-hmm. because sure. I'm creating images of, of those animals. And I just, I'm, I'm grateful that I can, that there are ways that my artwork can give back, that, that can, mm-hmm. you know, support conservation and support the habitat and these, these different species of, of wildlife. And it's just, it uh, it brings it all back around for me, and I'm I'm grateful that that there could be that portion of what I'm doing with my business and with with my career. So it's it's awesome. Well, thank you for not only the contributions, but taking kind of an idea and putting it into a visual that inspires you know tens of thousands of other people because that the marriage of those both of those things right having somebody that's has a conservation ethos but then also the talent to inspire with what you create um they're few and far between so kudos to the talent you bring to to this world and as you think about your future and you know you continue to evolve trying new art uh sort of applications and tools what's what's the next step for for you that you're gonna do you have a a thought on what you're gonna try next yeah that's uh that's a million dollar question for me right now i've actually been <laughs> heavy, heavily contemplating that and what, what i'm mm. gonna do next i mean i mean just uh on a base level there's still you know different techniques and, and processes that i want to try with my artwork um I've also recently just started adding my my images to different products and offering a whole bunch mm. of different products on my website. So not just uh, wall art. Now there's you know mugs and phone cases and and pillows and blankets and all that kind of stuff, kind of home decor kind of stuff that uh, that my artwork is on, and, and that's been a lot of fun to see that. But I am I I, I hear a lot from aspiring artists i get messaged all the time daily from Hmm. aspiring artists asking for for tips and for advice and different things and and that's something i'm seriously considering uh looking in that direction in ways that i can help other artists that that are wanting to you know earn a living make it make it a profession and I just feel, again, like I feel like I've been blessed. I've been fortunate to, to live my dream. And I, I would like to help others be able to do the same thing. Because it's, there's never been a better time to be an artist. I, mm. I, I lived through the whole social media revolution. 
I, I was doing artwork before and now I'm doing artwork during. And uh, I mean, I know there are a lot of complaints about Instagram and the algorithms and different things like that. But for all those complaining, I just say you should have tried it, you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Try to get exposure for your art before social media. It was it was nearly impossible. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, because of the marketing tools that are now available to gain exposure for, for your work, it's, there's never been a better time to be an artist, along with the, you know, other technology with online sales and that kind of, that kind of stuff. It's just, it's a great time. Um, and if you're, so if you're, you're an artist out there listening, aspiring to make a living, keep after it because it's possible. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're a parent listening that has a kid that, wants to be an artist one day, shows talent, shows desire, encourage them, like my mom and dad did. Because without that encouragement, I don't know, I don't know that I would have pushed it as hard as I did and, and made it as far as I have. But yeah, that's, that's one thing I'm considering is uh, I, I get questions about tutorials and classes all the time. Huh. And uh, it's something I'm, I'm thinking about doing and even with even more of an emphasis on the marketing side of it versus the drawing and technique side of it. Because there's, there's plenty of resources out there for artists to learn how to draw, learn how to paint. But uh, there, there seems to be a kind of a hole in the, in the industry lacking the marketing side of it and helping artists understand different ways to market art. So that's it's something I'm seriously considering for the future. It's, it's interesting. This could be a complete left tangent, but there's, there's a parallel. Like, I do a outdoors radio show in the Twin Cities with my buddy, the Captain Billy Hildebrand, and we have a lot of professional anglers on, particularly throughout the summer. And, you know, they talk about that. There's, you know, if you compare fishing to art, like there are a lot of people that can catch fish, but they don't know how to market themselves. There are some like they NASCAR themselves up with different, you know, Rapala and in Zepco and being able to answer interviews on the stage of how'd you catch that and write an article for a magazine. And I think there's parallels there. Like you can have a supreme talent, whether it's an artist or catching fish, but if you can't market yourself or talk to a reporter, there's a gap there in 2022 and your ability to, to excel. And I, I, I think you've, wisely identified that certainly if you go on instagram you could see you've mastered kind of that niche of the connection between um being an artist and showing people you know what you do in your process and you know even how we unveiled the uh these pieces of artwork it was through video like the process of your actually painting and i don't know if that was logan's concept or yours but you know that pulled people in to see how it just starts with one stroke and leads to this, you know, this covey or this um, Bob White whistling, you know, and, and it's just interesting to see the entire A to Z approach from um, the process, but also the, the business side of it. Yeah, it's something, something again that I learned through, through the, my marketing and design background. I did a lot, I've done a ton of uh, logo design, branding, you know, corporate identity stuff. And I've done a lot of product development and product graphics. Mm-hmm. And I found early on that, I mean, I could create something really cool. You know, I could create an mm. awesome product or an awesome brand, but without sales and marketing, you're the only one that's going to appreciate mm. it. So you got to be able to find a way, you know, find the ways to get it out there in front of people and get, get eyes on it. Yeah. Really well said. Uh, as, as we round the corner to close, I want you to each think about kind of a closing thought that you want to leave listeners with before I go there. Um, I want to point people to Joel's uh, website, joelpilcherart.com. So it's J-O-E-L-P-I-L-C-H-E-R-A-R-T.com. Joelpilcherart.com. Did I get that right, Joel? That's right. And then Instagram, we've talked a lot about at Joel Pilch, right? So no, no ER, just at Joel Pilch on Instagram. And you can email Joel if you got questions about his art, doing even custom artwork. Uh, Joel at JoelPilcherArt.com. And then as we talked about Orvis, 
is donating every dollar they raise through the sale of these limited edition uh, Call the Upland pheasants and quail shirts back to our habitat mission, specifically to our Call the Uplands campaign to create 9 million acres of habitat improvements. Um, you can go to orvis.com slash pheasant or orvis.com slash quail and uh, take a look at Joel's artwork on a t-shirt and know that if you purchase one of those t-shirts, all the proceeds are going back to our habitat mission. So check out all those sites. Um, Logan, final thoughts. You get uh, you get first crack. What do you, what do you <laughs> right. think of our conversation with Joel? Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. And you know, I think you you touched on this briefly, Bob. But um, you know, as a nonprofit, we rely, we rely so much on people's time, talents, treasures, um, and Joel's work is a great example of how someone can help deliver on our habitat mission by sharing those time, talents, or treasures. And I, you know, I can't thank him enough for being willing to to collaborate, maybe step into a, a new space in the uplands, and help us um, with our habitat mission. Yeah, right on. Well said. I'll echo that too, Joel. Thank you very much for your generosity throughout this entire process. You know, we work with a lot of folks and, you know, Logan has sang your praises about your generosity and how easy you are to work with. So um, this won't be the last time you you, uh, put charcoal to a quail art or or pheasant. Uh, What are your final thoughts, Joel? I appreciate you guys taking the time and having me on, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to work with, with you guys and with your organization. It's it's been, it has been a challenge. You know, I'm I'm traditionally I'm typically working with the big game, um, especially you know elk and buffalo and and moose. So it, it, the birds are a little bit of a challenge for me, but I appreciate <laughs> the opportunity to expand my horizons and and to do new things, and I, I do enjoy it. I enjoy challenge. So. It's been a lot of fun working with you guys and appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Logan, for reaching out. And I hope we can, I know we've already got a couple other projects we've completed recently, but I uh, hope to do more in the future. So I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Outstanding, Joel. Thank you very much. And a point, folks, again, joelpilcherart.com or Instagram at joelpilch, P-I-L-C-H on Instagram and orvis.com slash pheasant orvis.com slash quail. Um, you may do most of your artwork focused on moose, elk, and buffalo, but you absolutely nailed it with that cackling rooster and that whistling quail. So thank you very much, Joel. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Wing Podcast. I'm Bob St. Pierre reminding you it's hunting season. So get out there and always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks, folks.